Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us from across Canada and so many countries all over the world. Keep those emails coming. I love connecting with you, so please keep reaching out. Thank you also for your support of my book, Fearless, Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision. It's pretty exciting that it became a bestseller the first week out. You can find it at stores like Costco, of course, online at Amazon, Chapters, Barnes & Noble, Target, and your favorite local bookstore. I'm so grateful for your support. Tell your friends and please follow us on Instagram at Fearless Women Podcast. Now, this is a special episode. I am so delighted and very honored to welcome this inspiring guest to the show. She needs no introduction, but I'm going to say a few things from her very long bio. She's a gender equality activist. She's a lovely mother of three. It is Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so happy. Thank you for having me. Delighted, delighted. So we have so much to talk about, but let's start with recovering from the virus. And like so many other Canadians, you're managing homeschooling and all that goes with that. How are you doing, Sophie? <laughs> I'm doing super well. I'm, I'm doing all of it. I think like so many other, you know, moms and families trying to um, to juggle work life with not having, you know, the kids' friends over. And I think each family deal with their own um, struggles and their own great times. And depending on, you know, the age of your kids and their needs or even special needs, I think of all the more isolated moms um, who do have children who have special needs. I mean, I can't even imagine how difficult it is right now. So it's been, um, I have no complaints. It's been amazing. And um, we adapt, we adapt to, uh, to every moment. And um, we're, you know, a grounded family and lots of love in our family, lots of cuddles, but we have to be careful. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been a very, quite a deep learning experience. We've been talking a lot about gratitude, about the fact that the life as we knew it, you know, when you hear people say with the pandemic and all that, well, I can't do this anymore. And I couldn't, I used to do this and now I can't. Well, did we ever have a guarantee? Mm-hmm. Were we living thinking that every, everything would always be, you know, the same or close to what we knew? And now that we get, we get into this more uncomfortable zone, um, I think lots of our limits and uh, are being tested in a way. Absolutely. And the old way is not coming back. But I love the focus on gratitude. I think it's, it's such a beautiful way to actually make it through the challenging times. Well, one thing that we discuss a lot with my kids, and I think it's, it's, it's a lot more in our own actions as parents as it is in, um, in what we say. I think kids feed off our energy. And no one is invincible to the virus. And we realize that 
without reaching out to one another for support psychologically, evidently not physically right now, but, you know, we're, we're linked as human beings. We are really one. This is not a cliche. It is, it is profoundly true. And in moments of difficulty, I think that we live that truth without even realizing it sometimes. And mm-hmm. it's always something that I've cultivated, and especially on my, my path of yoga and, and meditation that I've, I've even studied because I'm, I'm, I'm deeply interested in how um, one individual can have enough self-respect and self-love to find that in everybody that surrounds them, even if those people are very different from us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So true. Tell me about a time, and I know there's many, but just pick one, <laughs> about a time that you were fearless. You know, when I can't even tell you, when I just hear the word fearless, I feel something. Mm -hmm. I feel something for the millions of women who came before us, who sacrificed, who build bridges, and who put stones in front of us so we could see a little bit, you know, wider and further. And Mm -hmm. that we are continuing this, I hope, as allies um, between women and girls. And how much... Um, unity and solidarity we need to have in order to push forward not only our most basic rights, but how can we thrive as individuals? Now, the word fearless, it's, it's kind of an inside joke in our family because my husband is super adventurous and sometimes I feel like, you know, he, he'll just push us to do new things. And I'm a very intrepid um, sportswoman, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I have fear. Like, I always tell him, you're so courageous. You just want to do everything. He's like, no, 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 no. You're the courageous one. Because you feel the fear, and then you still decide to do it. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of what my father always used to tell me when I was small. When I was scared, he'd, he'd just, like, lean over and say, go with the feet. You can do it. And mm-hmm. today, and through all, you know, my moments through life, personal, professional, the ups and the downs, I've always had that little voice that says, this is freaking me out, and I'm scared. But you know what? I'm still going to go for it because I know that I can do this somewhere deep inside me. And it's been through the most difficult times that I've actually grown the most because I'm somebody who suffered from eating disorders. And, um, you know, that's just the, the Band-Aid on the wound and everybody out there who, uh, who suffers in their own way, have their own trauma, uh, their own anxiety and stress. There's no human being without anxiety and stress. So when it comes to fearlessness, I think that fear can be a great thing. It can be the activator. And it can be also um, a mean to action, but also a reminder that in order to really feel complete and whole as a human being, I think we need to work on our definition of contribution versus recognition. Do we, what we put into this life and into the world around us and, and individuals around us, is it about being recognized? Because between you and I, Dennis, and everybody who's listening, we live in a culture that's like, oh, you got to be popular. Celebrities, you know, mm-hmm. take take the whole light and and space in in the in the um, in pop culture, and it's how many likes you have in social media. And youth is really struggling. And when we redefine the concept of success as more of a contribution to yourself and to society, we feel linked to one another, and we become less fearful because we find familiarity in others instead of fear. Yeah, that focus on uh, that true purpose, isn't it? But it's tough to find a true purpose. 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult for everybody to find a true purpose. And what does that mean when we say to young people out there or women who are remaking, the, you know, redoing their lives, starting a new, oh, go find your purpose. Wow. Really? I mean, the world mm-hmm. is, is filled with thousands of choices and people to encounter. And where, where does one start? Mm-hmm. It starts with you. It starts with what makes me unique? Because every single human being on this planet is unique. Mm-hmm. Nobody will ever be able to 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 say the contrary. Yeah, I love that. I think of it though that in terms of that purpose, I do find and I love that you mentioned yoga and meditation. We never needed it more than now, I think. But um, but <laughs> gratitude, <laughs> right? We need it. We need it so much. But I do feel like gratitude is part of that piece. You know, recognizing like you know, we're not doing the same things we used to, but at the same time, there's other gifts. To be clear, there's so many other challenges. I'm, I'm not negating the challenges that are going through, you know, this difficult time. But at the same time, if we can find, you know, whether it's uh, right now, I'm just loving the smell of the lilacs in my garden and, you know, cutting some and bringing them into the house and thinking like, oh, that's such a joyful, uh, simple pleasure. And, and, and finding those I think can be helpful. I can absolutely agree with you. And you're very right. So on two aspects, first of all, is, you know, even when we try to see the beautiful in, in this ordeal and these challenging times, I think that's our human nature. We need mm-hmm. to find the beauty first. And it's also a reality check because so many people are struggling. And therefore, how can one find their true purpose and moments of gratitude if we are not aware of the ones who are suffering the most and our responsibility in our own little ways to make a difference in their lives, because it mm-hmm. is always possible to make a positive difference in somebody else's life by, by taking baby steps. And the other thing is, well, I'm an only child and I was raised in nature from like zero to five and I'm a lover. I, uh, I love people. I'm curious. I, uh, I was raised saying, hi, my name is Sophie. Would you like to, you know, play and have fun? And I think I still have that component in me because I'm deeply curious of other human beings. And mm-hmm. I think the more you kind of explore that dimension of yourself, the more you find a home in other people's hearts. And this is not, it, it's not, there's nothing corny about this for me. If more human beings were able to find a home in other people's hearts and feel that we are so much more similar than we are different, we would, we would have another planet. Mm, I love that. Mm. Such wise well, words and very inspiring words. <laughs> so inspiring. And that um, focus on nature. Yes, in Canada, what a beautiful place. Where were you at 10 years old? Take me back. Where were you living? So at 10, actually, I had moved out of the Laurentians in St. Adele, which is a little town that I'm from. Um, and I, about five years old, I went to Montreal because my, my mom was a, a nurse and my father was working as a stockbroker just starting. They're both from, uh, from, from Hall. And it's funny because now we're back here, right? So it's, yeah. That's sure, that circle of life, cycle of life. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, so I started... Uh, I. We never quit on the countryside. We always kept a little place. And I remember being raised, it was like a, like a small little cottage, almost like a cabin. And my uncle and aunt would be there all the time. And uh, it felt like a little tribe, although I was an only child and didn't have much friends over. Um, but um, I really liked hanging out with other kids and stuff. And then I think that the big aspect of my social life really started when we moved to Montreal. And uh, we lived on this little street called Cornwall and they were twin twins living in front of me and um, I remember just making quick friends with them and just building from that where I 
I remember spending lots of time alone, but and and sometimes feeling lonely because I think all you know only childs out there would 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 understand, but also um, needing connection. For mm-hmm. me, relationships are nourishing. Connection is nourishment. Um, for some, it's it's it could be scary. Um, who knows? But we all have our different way to um, perceive the other and how we can better our lives by by connecting with the other. Mm-hmm. I so love that, that. that was the beginning of my life. I, I could tell you much more. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's nice that it's um, who you are today. You know, we're all so impacted by, you know, the, those earlier experiences. And so that nourishment around people and connection, uh, it's so visible in how you live your life. So it's, uh, it's lovely to hear. I agree. I, I agree deeply. And, and my father was uh, um, very much nature oriented and he used to pull me in a sled uh, when they would go on uh, long, very long, that would drive my mother crazy, very long um, <laughs> Uh, snowshoes or cross-country skiing with his brother in the woods and they would we would come back at night and my mom would be super worried and I would be out there for hours with them and he used to make me close my eyes and try to distinguish the essence of trees just without looking almost very I would say um, sensuous ways of connecting with life and, and with nature and I've never lost that when you say that you love your lilac tree in the back of your you know in your garden mm-hmm. everything I see around me is, is poetry to me even the difficult times, even the roughness, even the the injustice. I it's it's like I always see the human potential to make it better, and it's not naive. It's quite the contrary because th- that dichotomy, that paradox, that duality of life, of joy and sadness, of light and darkness, of justice and injustice, it feeds me on such a mm-hmm. deep level that I can't actually believe I get to live to live this life and, and to be alive. You know what? When you look at science, I think it's something like one out of 400 trillion is the percentage that you, the chance that you get to actually like be in a human body and become a human being. And I'm, 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 I can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah, it's so amazing. And, And your point about like the experience is so rich, but your point about, you know, whether it's light and dark, we need those contrasts for all of it to have meaning. I think we all are in deep um, need for meaning. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is a question that has occupied human minds for centuries, right? And I think that the more we tell our stories and the more we reach out to one another as communities, as individuals, the more meaning we feel, not just uh, think, but feel, feel through through our whole body and in our emotions and our minds and our hearts. Um, I think there's a holistic experience to be lived as a human being. But obviously, when you are struggling or when you are um, when your basic needs are not being met and and you live in trauma, um, the people who are around you who are more fortunate have the deep responsibility to be able to uh, to do something positive to change that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Which brings me to my question to you about mental health. We're both in the mental health space in the sense that we're active in it. For me, it's because of my friend's young daughter who died by suicide, Darren Richardson. And I'm involved with... So sorry uh, to hear that. Yeah, with DIFD through the Royal Ottawa Hospital. You know, as we go through these challenging and unprecedented times, we know that a focus on mental health matters even more. Yeah, and you're so engaged in this space. So talk about it. Why do you think it matters? We are all one trauma away from one another. 
it takes one life-changing event to create a crisis in your life. And when we talk about mental health, and I like to say mental health, we're all linked because of that, because it, it takes one life event to, to create a crisis and you find your mind and your whole being uh, in a state of trauma. And I also think that what is repressed in our society uh, needs to be expressed and that mm-hmm. will allow for progress. So whether it is a culture where femininity and women uh, have been denied so much for so long, whether it's also boys not being able to express properly their emotions. Mm-hmm. Working with mental health at a young age will prepare society completely differently and will heal a society very differently. You know, I think some indigenous communities say that it takes four generations from, for trauma to start healing. Yeah, no kidding. By sharing our stories, by expressing what is repressed, we all have trauma in some ways or another. And mental health is at the basis of, of a society's overall health. I think that when we work at the, with mental health, we work at the root of so many problems that stem from it. Therefore, it cannot be ignored any longer. And mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. I think people are talking more about it. I think that the present government is investing huge historical amounts into it. I think we're, we're, there's a shift. There's a shift mm-hmm. in the way of thinking, but I really want us to continue to, you know, break taboos, break stigma. And this is why I, I've been working with, in the mental health industry for years, but I really wanted to, to actually work on a podcast and mm-hmm. meet Canadians who could talk to us about their story and that can, people can look up to and actually say, oh, my God, that person is willing to share that story. Maybe I should talk about it. And then yes. the cycle, you know, starts. And, and it's so humanizing when you realize, and this is also the power of, of the stories included in my book, Fearless, when you look at these incredible women and you think they haven't had those kind of challenges, and then you find out, no, they have had all of those different kinds of challenges and traumatic experiences and, and difficulties. It might be with mental health or other things. And, and it is so humanizing because we can look at each other and say, it's okay. And I think that's incredible. So I'm so grateful for all the work that you're doing in this space. And tell us more about the podcast, because this is really exciting. Well, it's exciting because because my only wish is that it serves and, and, and it helps. So I met with different Canadians, you know, just Silicon Lauman, Tessa Virtue, my mother-in-law, Margaret Trudeau, um, Spencer West, so many interesting people who have completely different life avenues and paths and careers who just who take off the mask, who just break open and mm-hmm. share their story. And as you said, I think that the more we share our story, the more we allow for others to share because we just say, hey, it's okay. But not only is it okay, but hey, you're loved just like that. With all that yeah. trauma, with all these you know, flaws that you think might make you imperfect, no, this is what makes us human. And Worse this and all. is what needs to be exposed. <laughs> Yeah. What? I said warts and all. <laughs> Ex- yes, exactly. And you know, I mean, we do live in a society where um, aging is, um, is not something that's valued. It's like mm-hmm. we deny our own human nature in so many ways, whether it's physically, uh, mentally. It's not like we're raising young uh, people here to think, oh, well, I, I have so much, so much to look up and to look forward to. Um, when I age, because it's going to be extraordinary. That's not the message we're sending them. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that there is a new rhetoric and a new respect for 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 elderly, and and now they're the ones who are suffering the most in this context. So oh my we goodness, need to be yes. very right. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think we need to be very careful at uh, in our own families, at our own kitchen table, in our own homes about how we talk about what is it to gain wisdom and grow older. It should be the biggest gift of life instead of trying to flee from our own nature. Mm-hmm. So final question. What is your Uh-oh. dream for Canada, Sophie? That's such a tough one. <laughs> um, I think that every Canadian has the strength and should have the tools to become her or his own leader. I think we all have the capacity to lead our lives with so much strength and perseverance, but that can only be done, can only be done if we reach out together as Canadians and and have each other's backs and minds and hearts. Well, that's a beautiful dream for Canada and you are an inspiring... It is doable. This is, and it's achievable and you're going to make it happen. I know it. You're an inspiring, important voice in Canada. It has been such an absolute pleasure to have this conversation with you, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and for sharing. And if people want to tune in to your podcast, how do they find it? (laughs) So it's on Spotify, on all um, you know popular podcast platforms. It's it's out there. The We Wellbeing Podcast with me, Sophie, and um, let's continue to break down taboos and have honest conversations. And uh, we're in this together. So it's been such a pleasure, and I thank you for shining light on all those amazing fearless women out there. And uh, we're not all women; we're one woman. Oh, I love that. Thank you again. Thank you, Janice. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.